Hey, it's Christy. Welcome to Do the Work. Today and every day, we'll talk about things that really matter. You, your thoughts, your feelings, your experiences. We'll discuss what emotional work looks, sounds, and feels like in our day-to-day lives. Relationships are what matter most, and they can be complicated. If you'd like a better connection with yourself, with others, and with your God, you are in the right place. So glad you're here. Welcome back to Do the Work. I am here with my dear friend, Becky Berry, and I'm so grateful that she's here. We met about eight or so years ago in a women's group that we both attended. Shortly after we met, she invited me to go to Ghana with her on a medical mission, humanitarian humanitarian mission. mission. I'm calling it medical because I had on scrubs and was taking heart. You did. (laughs) It was pretty neat. Um, After being in Africa with her for almost two weeks together and her seeing me trying to sleep with my earplugs in my nose because our bathroom stunk so bad and having so many other experiences with Becky, I have just come to love her. She has a wealth of knowledge, but she is as connectable and loving as you're going to find. So thank you, Becky, for being here. I'm grateful to call you my friend. You're welcome. Happy to be here. I'm also gonna going to read a short bio. There's a lot more we could add to this, but here's here's a short biography for Becky. Becky is married to the incredible Steve, and they have two wonderful boys together who are 20 and 8. She graduated with a bachelor's degree in nursing from UVU and has worked as a registered nurse at the Center for Change for the past 19 years. She runs women's groups at the center, teaching principles to aid in their healing. Becky's been a life coach for the past six years, working often with those with eating disorders and also helping others with different struggles as well that disconnect us from ourselves. Becky's working for X, no, I missed this up. HXP, Humanitarian Experience for Youth. And what what do they do? Um, This summer, we had 6,000 youth going to uh, 40 plus countries around the world, 40 different locations. And um, we build schools and do service projects. Some are in the States, some are out and give the youth an opportunity to serve and to connect with other cultures and focus in on what's important. They don't have their cell phones the whole time. And it's two young adult age adults that go on the trip and then two parents. And I'm in charge of the parents, training the parents and uh, facilitating healthy communication between the trip leaders and the parents. We all know parents can use some training. I can. In different ways. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so great. I actually said Center for Change, but some people might not know what that is either. You're a nurse and you work there. What, do, what is that? It's an inpatient eating disorder facility. So we do um, inpatient uh, residential care, which is one step down from inpatient. And we do then partial hospitalization where they go in the day, uh, daytime for some treatment and then an intensive outpatient as well as outpatient. So it's a a multi-collaborative process of helping those struggling with um, eating disorders and other addictions to reconnect to themselves. Other addictions? Sure. Eating disorder is often the main one, but any addiction can be present along with it because it's another way to not feel. So there's many cross addictions. Yeah. Thank you. That's, that's insightful. Uh, Becky Luck, Loves serving in different areas in the community and currently serves on the board of HEART. HEART stands for Humanitarian Aid Relief Team. She's traveled to Ghana and India with them to provide education and health care with her team. In her free time, Becky has many 
many gifts and talents, but she enjoys spending time with loved ones. She loves music. She has a really beautiful voice and is continually developing her passion for learning new ways to better herself and others. Thank you, Becky, for coming. Happy to be here. And I love to travel. Oh, yeah. yeah. Traveling. And you got in a fight with a fence last night. I did. It was my friend's gate. And it was, I mean, I was a lot stronger than I thought. It was less heavy. And therefore, I got in a fight and I tore a ligament in my, yeah, my shoulder. So it's good. No, that's not good. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I wanted you to come on today, Becky, because I want to talk about comparison. In large part, I want to talk about comparison, but I also want to address, because one of the things that our culture just begs us to compare bodies it, it and to create and make the body about being an ornament instead of an instrument. I've heard that said before. I really love that. And that our bodies are a gift from God and they allow us to do so many things. And yet, because of comparison, because of the ways that we see and view the world so often, we're not grateful for the body. We're ashamed or afraid or just in a constant state of comparison. So I want to talk about that today with you as well. You bet. So comparison, do you ever do it? Um, That one time I did, and it was so uncomfortable, but I haven't since. (laughs) Okay. Um, Oh, absolutely. I think it's really human to compare. And so um, when I'm, you know, helping some of the people in my groups, I'll humanize it right away that we all compare. Now I can see at Center for Change, body image is a huge concern. Mm -hmm. So it's an easy one to address. Every week they have four or five different topics to choose from that I'll put up on the board. And one that's consistent every week is body image and diet culture Mm -hmm. and how to assimilate back into society Mm -hmm. with their fears and their eating disorder, uh, thoughts and behaviors and their negative self-talk. And they learn how to hold boundaries and connect to themselves by speaking up for themselves. Also knowing that if somebody else isn't willing to maybe not talk about diets as much around them, that they're ultimately love themselves enough to step aside to care for themselves because it's their job to care for themselves. Mm, that's, that's good. Let's go right there. I'm curious about some things and I'd love to get some of your information out that you have, just some of the knowledge that you have. But eating disorders, tell me, I, I took a tour of um, the center several years ago and I was stunned. I expected to see just a lot of really small people in there. And that's not true. What's the truth about eating disorders? First of all, what are eating disorders about? Why would someone choose to, and and how do you know you have an eating disorder? I mean, I have a lot of questions. Yeah. Well, I think one of the hardest things with eating disorders is with, it's like any other addiction. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a way to not feel pain. It's a way to numb out. Mm-hmm. And comparison is one of the quickest ways we start to go there for a fear, you know, as you've talked about in your podcast many times of not feeling enough in some way. Mm -hmm. And then um, oftentimes these people struggling with eating disorders will connect into that that's a piece of who they are and their identity. Mm -hmm. So um, what we do at Center for Change is we get them out of their environment because with eating disorders, oftentimes there's genetic components. Yeah. Um, higher anxiety, trauma, really perfectionistic. It's not everybody, but oftentimes we'll see a lot of black and white thinking, perfectionism. Mm -hmm. And so we say that genetics can kind of load the gun 
but environment will pull the trigger. That could be tricky situations at home. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be bullying at school, anxiety, yes. spinning out of control in some way. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's quite a few uh, warning signs to be mindful of, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But I wanted to read a couple stats with body image in children right now Good. Um, so that we can be aware of what the kids in our universe, whether that's our kids, our nieces, our nephews, our uh, friends, neighbors, 42% of third grade girls want to be thinner. Third grade is nine? It's eight and nine. Okay. 81% of 10-year-old children are already afraid of becoming fat. 46% of nine to 11-year-olds are sometimes or very often on diets. 35 to 57% of adolescent girls engage in some type of crash dieting or fasting vomiting diet pills. And then according to uh, a study online, eating disorders actually have the second highest mortality rate of any psychological illness. So 10% of those with a diagnosable eating disorder will die. And uh, the only thing leading it with psychiatric disorders is opioid overdose. Wow. Where does it come from? Where does an eight-year-old learn that they want to lose weight? It can come from so many sources. The one that... You know, we as family members of, of these kids is watch how do you talk about your body? How do you talk about others' bodies? Mm-hmm. Kids learn to objectify themselves, see themselves as an object, and we become one-dimensional mm-hmm. and see others as an object when we compare ourselves to somebody else's body. And, uh, you know, as our friend Liz likes to say, we chicken nugget each other, all the pieces and parts. And so anytime you find yourself in a one-dimensional space, it's one of the greatest things you can do is to humanize them quickly and help them and yourself to become multidimensional again. What would that sound like? So let's say I remember when I was probably, I was probably seven or eight when I first started noticing that my legs spread out a little more when I sat down and I would, I was comparing to another friend of mine. Yeah. And, you know, in a, in a society that worships thinness, mm-hmm. um, it became well really said. easy mm-hmm. to when I had some different anxieties and tricky situations at home, that if that was something maybe I could control being thinner, mm-hmm. maybe I could be more lovable. Mm. Wow. So it goes back to that feeling of, do I matter? If we value thin, then I'm going to, what if I, what if I was just a little more? What kills someone with an eating disorder? Oftentimes, well, suicide's a piece of it, Mm -hmm. but um, oftentimes it's heart issues. You know, heart will stop uh, electrolyte imbalance. You can go into multi-system organ failure, uh, depending on what behaviors. And all of our bodies are different, just looks wise, but inside our bodies are, they're different in, I may pass out standing up because I have a harder time holding blood volume and you may not. And Mm -hmm. so therefore, our bodies are a little bit different. But what we like to do is look at the number on a scale. And there's this little comic actually that I have. And it's two little kids looking at a scale. And one says to the others, don't step on it. It makes you cry. Oh, I know. Oh, that is true. I have forced myself when I go to the doctor 
I don't take off my shoes. I'll take off my jacket, but I used to like take everything I possibly could off because somehow when I stepped on that scale, it was going to tell somebody something about me that I didn't want them to know. Yeah. And so part of addressing that inside of me is like, nope, go stand on there. You're just fine. It doesn't change you. But what a great visual. We're putting that in the show notes, Becky. It's it's a good visual. <laughs> good. And I, I love right now, my husband does family practice medicine and sees some eating disorders. And he, unless it's really pertinent to what he's doing, he doesn't have people always step on the scale because it can be such a measurement of, you know, your blood and your muscles and your bones and your hair and your eyelashes and what you ate that morning. Yeah. <laughs> or I, I had a water bottle, all of those yeah. things. And we think that it's, this is measures how much quote unquote fat I have. And I've been trained that fat is bad. Yes. Instead of neutralizing. Yes. Yes. What does an eating disorder look like? There's a lot of different types of eating disorders. A huge spectrum where someone may restrict their food intake quite a bit, starting maybe with a diet. Um, sometimes people will eat binge, which is eating a large amount of food in a short period of time and feeling shame afterwards. This is like, I'm not talking about just Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, All of us can overeat at times, but this is beyond that. Okay. And sometimes people will either um, throw up the food, which will affect their heart and their teeth. And um, it affects their, their heart to throw up. Absolutely. You're, you're messing with electrolytes. It's very dangerous. Some will take laxatives. Again, you're messing with your electrolytes again there. Mm-hmm. Um, some will overexercise. If I eat this, then I have to exercise this long. Mm-hmm. Um, so the obsession with dieting and thinness that I have to look a certain way to be loved or I feel so horrible about myself. Some people go into, I don't deserve to eat that. Yeah. But most people won't say that out loud, right? Mm-hmm. They won't say, I've got to look this way to be loved or, or I don't they deserve. They may not even know it. Yeah. They might not even be conscious of the thoughts. And so it's so important when I'm meeting with clients and some of the patients to understand where did you first start noticing bodies? Mm-hmm. Where do you think it come from? There's no blaming one specific thing. Yes. It's a culture. So the willingness to look back and be compassionate with yourself and be curious. And sometimes when I don't quite feel as mature as I want to be when I'm triggered with, you know, a kid or my husband or right. a friend or something, I will often say, how old do I feel right now? Mm. And that can help lead me back to a place where I need some love Mm-hmm. and guidance and validation and ownership so that I can move through whatever is wanting to direct me towards an unhealthy behavior. Mm-hmm. Do you mind sharing your story a little bit? Sure. I'm curious about it because I, I want to know that. And then I also want to know, is this just a girl problem? And then I also want to know, are all people skinny that have eating disorders? Those are my three questions that you can maybe put into all of that. Yeah. So uh, it's actually 6 to 10% of those with a diagnosable eating disorder are actually considered medically underweight. So I think that's that was a shocker. And for most people, because when you hear eating disorder, oftentimes we go to a textbook space of mm-hmm. what that looks like. It can be anybody can have an eating disorder. And then what was another one of the questions? Is it just a female, oh. male? What is it? 10 to 20% of eating disorders are male. And then binge eating disorder is where you're eating that large amount of food. Mm-hmm. You may not be compensating in another way to get rid of the food, but the shame and the guilt um, that goes along with it is so intense. You called that, you told me one day you called that disordered thinking. 
mm-hmm. about eating. Mm-hmm. Is that what or disordered said? eating? So disordered eating is really, I, I mean, such a high percentage, and I can find the percentage for you if you want, but a high percentage of the world has some type of disordered eating yeah. because finding a normal and learning to love and care for and listen to your body yes. is it's not intuitive. We actually go by the book Intuitive Eating for our entire dietary program at Center Love for Change. That book. It's, it's it it's life changing. Mm-hmm. And so you see food, it's enjoyable, it's a tool. I never knew I could recover. I struggled with an eating disorder uh, going back to probably 12 is when it started. Mm-hmm. And you know, different people in my life, um, dance group were trying to encourage me to lose weight and I started to quickly internalize that if I weighed less or looked different, then I would be lovable. And there were some hard, hard things going on in social life and family life. And it was a way that when I focused in on trying to look a certain way, I didn't have to feel all those you know, mm-hmm. inadequate feelings mm. that fear is at the root of that. Mm. So I was, uh, I went to Stanford Hospital, Children's Hospital, a few times in high school um, to be treated medically and uh, psychologically for an eating disorder. And then I remember when I went out to college, I went up to Utah State and I thought, oh, I'm going to leave my eating disorder at home. I don't want this anymore. I just want to go and enjoy my college years. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that easy. Mm. Um, it was a way that I had learned to cope and I had to unlearn and uproot all of the pain and fears that were underneath that. Yes. And I was a patient at Center for Change 25 years ago. Wow. So what I love now is it was it took several years to recover, but I can sit with those teens that I get to sit across from and say, I, I hear you. I was a teen in treatment too. Yes. It's so hard and it's possible and you can heal. And with the adults as well, I was a 19-year-old adult in treatment. Mm-hmm. And so my groups are focused in on hope and healing. So beautiful. It's so beautiful. Eating disorders are not about food, are they? No, they're not. That's the symptom. Yeah. Just like any other addiction. Hard thing with eating disorders is you have to eat to live. Mm-hmm. With drugs, you can get away from the friends. You can get away from environment. Not as much access to drugs. With eating disorders, you have to learn to live with food every day to survive. So it is really a challenging addiction to conquer. That hits me. You are the first person that said to me around, I'd said something or you got curious around something. And I had no idea how shaming, how, how much guilt I had around food and my body and what it looked like. And, you know, the reason I love that scale story and why I'm so boundaried about when I go to a doctor or somewhere that I need to weigh, weigh myself is I used to weigh myself every day, every single day. And it's like, oh, I'm okay. You know, if that number was a certain number. And then if it wasn't that number, I wouldn't like consciously beat myself up, but I would, it would change how I felt that day. It would change, you know, my kids. <laughs> I hope my kids are listening to this episode because we they love to talk about the meals, you know, the black bean taquitos that I would make that were just terrible. I mean, I'm not saying you can't make good black bean taquitos, but in an effort for me to feel good about me, everyone was affected by it. So there's 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 a lot inside of that. But I didn't know. I just thought, 
why do I think about lunch when I'm eating breakfast? And then why do I worry? Why am I worried about what's for dinner and what's all, you know, why do I think about it so much? And so you helped me to, to just get curious about it. And, and the book intuitive eating was just massive for me as well. So what did you find out was underneath it for you or some of the things? What was it masking? Hmm. Well, I think it goes back to what we're going to talk about more in this podcast. It was comparison. It was a childhood of awareness of how much, uh, you know, what I look like, what I, if I'd gained weight or not gained weight. Um, it was a lot of things. I really grew up, my brain formed believing that I needed to look a certain way or weigh a certain way, a certain amount. And so all of that is tied right back to, am I enough? Mm -hmm. Do I matter? Mm -hmm. Am I worthy of love? You know, so there's a lot, there's a lot in there mm -hmm. that I've, I've actually done a lot of work around. So, and I still need to, I still find myself using food to numb or to distract. So, well, and the, I mean, what you just described though, is being human. Yes. And, but you recognize it. Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest thing is sometimes when I'm running groups, the hope is that there's a magic bullet. Yeah. It'll just go away. Yes. But it it's 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 an endurance run. It's not a race. Yes. It's just an endurance walk or run. That's good. That's really good. I remember the first time I, I used to always look at other women and be like, Oh, look how good they look. <laughs> you know, I would and I I guess I said that out loud in front of you one time and you're like, That's an eating disorder, Christy. Because to me, the thinner, the better, right? That was my belief system. Mm -hmm. And and that was really helpful for me to stop and go, you know, most bodies are have some fat on them or, you know, I don't know, you would describe it better, but that was helpful for me. Like I was, I was comparing myself to something that was actually hurting someone, not helping them. Mm -hmm. So, well, I think you hit on something really helpful there is when, when we see something and in a compassionate place, was it? Was it when I saw, you know, when you were saying something like that, I care about you. Yeah. And so if you care about somebody and you see behaviors, ask if they're okay, ask how they're doing. And most likely if you get maybe a defensiveness back, that's enough information for right there. Yeah. And you can just say, well, I'm here. Yes. And, and you may not even notice it yet because that's your normal. Mm -hmm. And maybe I'm off, but I care about you and I'm concerned. That's good. So often... I've I've seen this over and over again. Eating disorders are disguised as healthy eating, or I just love to exercise, or right there. So that's that orthorexia, right there. What's orthorexia? Say it. That's an obsession. It's like a chronic, chronic diet, but an obsession with health. Okay, um, so healthy. Food it's not really called healthy. a diet. It's just healthy eating. Mm -hmm. I mean, the mm -hmm. person would think I'm just eating healthy. Mm -hmm. And and again. If, if you find yourself listening to this and saying, well, she doesn't know me yeah. or that what, that's not me, mm -hmm. I would just invite you to say, I don't know you. That's true. And if you're so quick to try and prove that it's not, yeah, but... just stop and look and talk to someone you care about just to look and see. Maybe it's not. Yeah. And maybe it is. Mm. And the joy that is available for you to reconnect with a God and with yourself and the relationships you can have as you work on that, it will it will be a hundredfold of what you've ever experienced before. You know, thank you for saying that because what I think one of the 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 most 
tragic things that come from disordered thinking or eating or like intense comparison is that we disconnect from ourselves and from others. And so we're with someone that we love a lot, but we can't, we actually can't connect because we're so focused on, well, I shouldn't eat that. Okay, I'm going to have some of that. Oh my gosh, look at them. And, and we lose this ability to connect, to see the other person that we're with that we care about so much. So an eating disorder, our culture is actually okay with that, generally speaking, right? If someone showed up drunk every time, you know, we, they'd be like, hey, this isn't working. But with an eating disorder, somehow, not only is it, um, do we not say something about it, but we don't even, we, we kind of like it. We it's think it's praised. okay. It's, pr- it's exactly it's right. It's worshipped. Yeah. I have a friend who was going through a terrible, just a really painful experience, and she stopped eating, not not because she was trying to control something, but she was was in such painful place. And everyone would comment, you look amazing. What are you doing? You look amazing. And she said, I wish that I could have said to every one of them, let me tell you what's going on in my life right now. Yeah. So I love talking about it out loud right here on a podcast so that just so that others can say, okay, where's this in my life? How could I address this or how do I show up? Am I, when I see someone who's lost a lot of weight, am I like, whoa, amazing. Or do I say, so nice to see you. How are you doing? Yeah. And, and you want a relationship, I I think based on other things Mm -hmm. so that when you do comment, like, how are things going? Yeah. You know, are you doing okay? I'm concerned. I've noticed you've lost weight. Is your health okay? And, and that's the open to when your friend was in that space to just say, I'm dying inside. I have so many things going on or yes. no, 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 I'm good. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. Oh, I just run this much and I have to do this and I have to compensate, you know, which direction is it? But if, if you're open to not have an agenda with their answer. Yes. And if somebody talks to you and, and you can just be open and willing that allows the ability to be present instead of jumping to the anxiety of the future or fear and depression of the past. And present is where we can heal, even though it's painful. That's really good. Thank you, Becky. Okay, I want to talk about comparison and anything we can find there to help just address how it affects us in our life, how it affects our relationships, and what the truth is about us. So I asked a few people What are your thoughts on comparison? What are your questions about comparison? Are you ready for one of the questions? Mm -hmm. Okay. Sometimes I find myself making anything a competition. Sometimes I don't struggle at all with this, but when I'm with a new group, I struggle with literally competing with people. They don't know it. You know, we're just, you know, hanging out. We're at the beach or we're, you know, playing a game or whatever. But inside of this person's head, it's like, I need to be better than you. What's going on there? Well, I I like to use the... I want to be better than them because of what am I afraid of? If you can just sit in that for a bit of what am I most afraid of, of not, you know, is it not feeling enough? Is it that the only way I have felt good about me is when I'm praised in some way? So if I'm not being praised or I'm not the center of attention or maybe I'm not as good as, and maybe I'm used to being the center of attention and, and that distracts me from feeling Yes. or the other side. I withdraw and I'm scared to go out and be with people because I, I can't even tell you. And I remember feeling this myself. If you really knew me, you wouldn't yeah. love me. Yes. Yes. And 
I think that feeling can be conscious or subconscious. Totally. But anytime we find ourselves isolating, there's something going on mm-hmm. there, right? Mm-hmm. And this person is is saying, I, I'm with people, but so so what tools would you give him or her to say when you notice you're going into comparison? So one of the questions I would have compassion for myself. I'm so practiced at this. Yeah. This has been as long as I can remember comparing something and it just morphs to what I compare about. So validate and have compassion for yourself. And then that curiosity, I wonder where this started Mm -hmm. and where did I first start comparing and what, if I could put the magic, if I weighed this or if I accomplished this or if I had this, then what? And that's often the lie that anything we're comparing about is there, you know, Theodore Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy. And it's so true. Yeah. That so it true. robs us from joy because joy, Christ exists in present. Yes. And that is joy. And when we're taken out of the present, it's harder to connect with him. Yes. So good. It's so good. And we, I've talked about comparison on different podcasts. I, I just think it affects us in so many ways. And we give ourselves a pass. And to say, and I'll talk with clients and I'll say, are you ready to have a hard boundary around comparison? Like, will you hold yourself accountable for when you compare? Will you validate yourself? But then will you also do something different? It feels like, well, you know, there's this fear that comes inside of them. Okay, so I'm going to turn the mic. Are you ready, Becky? Mm-hmm. You met Zach mm-hmm. over here. He helps me with every podcast. And Zach, how old are you? Welcome, Zach. Oh, no. I'm 24. <laughs> Okay, so you're 24. Do you ever compare? Uh, yes. <laughs> Hold on, sure you're do. human. You're human. <laughs> yes. I think young adult that that age, that 20, you know, 18, 16 to 30 age is I mean, there's just a myriad of things to compare. So, do you see that, Zach? Do you see it among your peers, among people that you care about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Like I'm always comparing where should I be? Where can I be? Yes. This is what the other person is doing. That's daily. I think it's a big problem. I don't know where it's like where it's human and then where it's a problem where it needs to be addressed though. I think that that's, that's a big one where question. people don't talk about it at all and should probably be more okay to talk about it. Yeah. To, to, to expose that this conversation that you guys are having is not happening in my age group around really? my friends. Yeah. Zach, I knew I needed to bring you into this. I'm sweating. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, actually. Me too. <laughs> uh, okay. So it's not happening in your age group. It's not happening in my age group either. Very often. I have some core friends that we're talking about it all the time, easily and openly. But generally speaking, people don't like to expose that. They don't, they don't want to show that they have weakness. They'll just work harder, do more, you know, or do less in an effort. Like I can't, I can't even come close. I'm not even going to try that. Right. So Zach, what would it take with someone in your age group to have this conversation? What would happen if you just showed up with your friends? (laughs) Tanner, you're my best friend. Do we ever talk about it? Uh, Maybe be more aware of asking people, how are you? Without, I loved what Becky said on how are you and then not jumping to what my response is going to be, but just being more of a listener 
uh, starting those conversations in groups of just how are you and how are you really and just listening. Yeah. Thanks. So good. So good. So in Zach's age group, our age group, comparisons coming from a space of what I've come to understand, and I shared this on another podcast, is generally an unconscious fear of I'm not enough. Mm -hmm. So then I immediately jump to comparison. How my shame says I will be enough. Yeah. What do you mean by how my shame says I will be enough? So, you know, shame will attack our character and who we are is at our identity. And when we mistake our identity and who we are and not what I do, we, we take agency out of it and it becomes about the being. So one thing to step out of the shame and feeling not enough, not enough is shame. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I do, and I, are you okay if I read a few of these to help all of us? These are helpful for me too. I am not meant to be perfect in this life lifetime. I am seeking for progress, not perfection. So when you're going into these things, I can create safety in my own world. Wait, I want to stop you. I'm I'm seeking for progress, not perfection. Zach, I loved your example when you said, you know, I'm I'm building this business. I'm, I'm we've started this business, and daily, I'm comparing myself to someone else who does something similar. Like, like it's supposed to be perfect today. I guess I wish <laughs> <laughs> because because if it were perfect, then what? Right. That have you ever stopped it? If it were perfect, then I'd go fishing. Like what? What what if it were perfect? If it were perfect, I'd still be doing this. So I don't know. And we came from our bedroom and now we're in a studio. So it's a lot of realizing every day where now I come in and say, Okay, what can I do today? But also be grateful of where where I'm at. Just me, not talking about anybody else. The comparison side has gotten a lot better of just being beautiful. Okay, this is where I set goals. I look back at my goals that I made, and this is where I'm at. And then staying off my phone has also helped. Oh, yeah. You mean like where you can right back into it? Yeah. Yes. Because I'm happy with where I'm at, and then I go on Instagram, and then it seems like you can jump back into it pretty quick. A really good tool. Taking a minute in the morning of saying, "Okay, this is what I'm going to do, and this is how I'm going to go about my day for me, and not." doing my day for other people or how is this perfect or what can I do to make it perfect? That's beautiful. Zach has some of his own tools, doesn't he? He sure does. <laughs> I listen to all the podcasts. <laughs> it's a good podcast. <laughs> good. Thank you. That beautiful Zach. Thank you for sharing. One thing he just did so naturally right there is, is he's taking a step back and knowing where his triggers are. Mm. and saying, you know, when I get on my phone, I'm more prone to compare. So I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to center myself in the morning. And what do I value? That's becoming present. And I like to say realigning with, you know, whether it's God or a higher power and our highest values, it comes back up instead of looking out for my worth, which is impossible, but that's Mm -hmm. often where we seek it. Mm -hmm. We realign to come straight up to look up like Lauren Daigle's song, Look Up Child. <laughs> yeah. Know where your worth comes. It's not coming from the things we accomplish. We mm-hmm. can't increase our worth. Mm-hmm. That's great. Thank you, Becky. Okay. Here's another question. This one is around body image as well. When we aren't content with our body image, how do we show better self-love? Why does what we look like seem and feel so important? We've already spoken to that some, but... Self-love around body image. And, and, and if someone does feel 
in a healthy space from a centered place, you know, I want to lose a few pounds because I'm, I'm not able to do what I used to be able to do. Or it was a tough winter and I, I ate a lot through, you know, this experience. How do you, how would someone, I mean, comparison, I'm just going to be as clear as day comparing to someone else or who you used to be in this place. That's not always helpful, right? Mm, to go when it comes to body, mm-hmm. when it comes to choices that we've made, looking back, measuring, you know, that is so helpful, but not necessarily remember when I could wear this or what are your thoughts? Uh, which, yeah, again, is so, so, so common. And you have to look at your, why am I wanting to lose weight? What is what, my motive? What's the motive? And if you can answer that and have a discussion with people that feel pretty centered in your life mm-hmm. and when you are defensive about it, not if. When yeah. it's okay. Yes. It's just more information to look at. So when you can see your progression in the, just the willingness to be open, mm-hmm. that's progression. Mm-hmm. The first step is trying to neutralize mm-hmm. body mm-hmm. and what image says we're supposed to look like, what the culture says, and different cultures say different things. But when we can come back and neutralize it, once we're neutralizing it, we can start loving it more. I remember I started with my left pinky toe. Because I remember there was a rec therapist at the center 25 years ago when I went in and she said, Becky, I want you to write on these hearts what you love about you, what you love about your body. And I just sat there and looked at it and I couldn't think of anything. She says, Mm. I don't care. Start with something. I started with my left pinky toe. (laughs) It is cute. It's it's pretty (laughs) stinking cute. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. But then as I'm willing to start there and make very doable habits very doable goals. And when I don't follow through with one of them, again, we go, oh, I wonder why I didn't fall through with that. Do I need to make it a little smaller? Because mm-hmm. the greatest way we can find ourselves is to show up for ourselves. Keeping commitments to ourselves helps us to gain a better sense of self and uh, a connection with a higher power. I really like that. You know, there are all different ways or reasons why we think and feel the way that we do. There's lots of different reasons. And we can spend a lot of time being mad about that or hurt about that or, you know, distracted from that. But in truth, if we'll learn to love ourselves, and I don't mean that in like, I'm amazing. As soon as someone says, I'm amazing, you can know they don't actually believe that, right? Like pride You know, someone would describe, oh, they're so prideful. They're always talking about themselves. That's because they're terrified that they're not enough. Mm -hmm. Right? That is someone who's confident with themselves doesn't have to tell other people that. Mm -hmm. I do appreciate, though, people who are willing to say, hey, I'm like, did you think, how do you, like, what do you think about this? Or am I okay? Or I just need some validation. Mm -hmm. That is, that is someone who's actually pretty grounded in themselves that can say, hey, I'm, I'm struggling here for a minute, but I'm amazing. And, you know, you see, you see this in sports all the time. All mm-hmm. And politics. Hit, politics are hit. Oh, politics. Yeah, they're hitting their chest. They're telling everybody how amazing they are. You can know 100% of the time they actually struggle with the very things that we've been talking about. So one way that I know, because I think it's actually important to be able to see your strengths. Yeah. What are my strengths? Mm-hmm. So if you can... Look and see those. You're not putting yourself above or below somebody. Right. But you can say, I do feel like I do a good job here. Yes. I'm open to learning more. I want to learn more. But it's not saying I'm better at this than you are. Yes. Like if you have strengths that I don't, when I seek to learn from you and say, Christy, teach me. Instead of putting you on a pedestal and me below you, 
I, we come right back eye to eye level and I can say, tell me more. Yes. I want to learn. I need help. It's so beautiful. That is so true. Putting someone on a pedestal feels nice. It's actually not nice to either people. It is a setup for someone to fall. Yeah. That's, that's really good. Okay. I had someone ask a question. They thought, you know, maybe dress codes at certain schools or uh, religious beliefs. Do you feel like that affects body image? It can. I mean, it's one, what are you feeling the motive is of the other person? Does it feel objectifying? And if it does, are you willing to have a conversation around it? Yes. Where am I buying into it? Where's my part? So that self-reflection here yes. is so important, but absolutely can it. Culture, any culture you bet. can go distorted really quickly. So absolutely it can have an effect, but we have to connect with our personal relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And with people that are connected to start to find a reality, because we may not even know our reality is distorted. You know, Adam Miller on a recent podcast, you know, when yes. I, we talked about God's love, when we're looking through a telescope through the big end, yeah, we only see that small end. It's so narrow-minded. But if we flip it and look through that into the bigger angle, the love that we are able to feel for ourselves, and we can feel God's love as we're being present, as we're able to shout out on the things that about us that Mm -hmm. I am good and I'm trying and I'm allowed to be human and I can make mistakes and can, I can own what, what mistakes there are and there's hope to change. You know, there's always hope. And if you find yourself saying there's no hope, reach out to somebody that they can help you get out of that little spiral of shame. Yes. So good. So to learn to love ourselves, we are a whole person, a physical, spiritual, social emotional, intellectual person. Mm -hmm. Do you take care of all of you? I'm not asking you, but I'm asking the question. When we find ourselves comparing all the times, all the time, am I taking care of me? Am I taking care of myself spiritually? And I don't mean like religiously. I mean your connection with God or your higher power. And if you don't believe in God, find somewhere that you feel you recognize that you're not the highest person on the planet or you know some person that you think is great as the highest find some space but so spiritually socially intellectually emotionally physically am i taking care of all of me that's the number one way i know how because when we keep our commitments like you suggested when we're honest in our relationships we will feel better about ourselves we will recognize i matter I'm worthy of love. Why am I comparing? So I have a really strong boundary for myself. When I find myself comparing myself to anyone else, I will validate. I will just say, I am worthy of love. And it's easy because what we generally do is compare our weakest points to other people's strengths. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Okay, Becky, at the end of every podcast, I ask, I'm going to, Zach, are you still here? No. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. You are. I'm going to ask Zach and Becky, what are you taking away from this podcast today? This podcast will end. What could someone take from it? And just do the work today. Do the work this week. One tool. What would it be? You go first, Becky, and then we're coming to you, Zach. I I like a little formula in my mind that helps me to be more thorough Mm. is when I'm um, comparing, am I going critical or compassionate. There's a choice right there. If I feel critical, that makes sense. I enter into compassion. The willingness to say, how old do I feel? Or where did this start? And then owning the part that's mine. To go back to how old do I feel? Why is that? Why, why are you saying that's helpful? So 
internal family systems work is like a type of therapy. Yes. And oftentimes when we um, feel young, it's, it's a place where regressed and that we stopped progressing emotionally in a certain area because shame got stuck on a loop, on an endless loop. So you want to see those areas and be willing to look at those areas and then own the places you can change and set tiny, small goals that you can show up for yourself and meditate, pray, start with 30 seconds to a minute a day and be accountable to yourself and a friend. And it is miraculous when you're willing to do the work, you will find a greater peace and joy and connection than you've ever known. Beautiful. Thank you, Becky. Zach, what are you taking away? What are you going to work on this week? Not wondering when somebody's going to have conversations like this. Be the person to start it. Because so um, even as I was saying, I was like, well, no one's talking about it. That <laughs> I could just bring it up and start the conversation. Might feel uncomfortable, but has a lot deeper meaning in the end and can take away a lot more important things than probably conversations we've been having normally. I love that, Zach. Thank you so much. I have a client and he just decided I'm going to start talking about things like this. I'm done just like, hey, how's everything going? What's happening? You know, to start having real conversations. So thank you, both of you. Thank you so much, Becky, for coming on. You're welcome. You know, I love you. I don't love you more because you did this, but I feel very grateful for your willingness to come and share. Thank you for having me. Yes. I'm thankful for everyone here at 98 Studios who helped make this podcast great. And if you have heard anything that might be helpful for someone that you love or care about, or just your social friends on your social media, share the podcast. It's the best way for us to be able to be heard by other individuals who need and could benefit from these simple everyday tools. We are humans and we get to learn and work at relating with ourselves and with others. And that is where real joy comes from. It comes from connection. You'll have many choices in your day and in your week. Becky, Zach, and I hope that you'll choose to do the work. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, share a written experience, or ask me a question, go to coachchristy.life and fill out the podcast questionnaire and we'll be in touch with you soon. There are no dumb questions or experiences, just opportunities to learn and do the work. Have a great week.